Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, welcome back. I'm Carl Mack, and this is Combat Chronicles. All about UFC 289 today, obviously, and how can I leave the episode with anything other than this? He is in one final time tonight. Here's Bruce Buffer. Ladies and gentlemen, after five rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. The judges score the contest 48 46, 48 46, and 47 47 for the winner by majority decision. As you heard there, Leon Edwards retaining the UFC 170-pound welterweight title with a five-round decision over Kamaru Usman. One drawed card, we'll get to that uh, in a second. And two wins for Leon. There was a point deduction, as I say, we'll talk about that as we talk about the fight. But first things first, fantastic two-way technical, wonderful belt. Absolutely loved it from start to finish. And this episode is really going to be about reconciling my own thoughts about Leon Edwards, who I've spoken about many times on this podcast and on my appearances at Heavy Hands, uh, maybe other places as well, certainly on my Twitter feed, but Leon Edwards has finally won me round. And he didn't need to win me round as a person or as a fighter, but just as an all-round operator, there were certain things that he didn't do that annoyed me, and it was more through frustration of wanting to be this sort of uh, all-in Leon fan, but him doing things that just frustrated me. It was like, how can I love a guy who isn't reaching his full potential? But I think in this fight, he reached his full potential. You would have thought that he did in the uh, second fight when he won the title where you know he scored a knockout which will be remembered down the ages and is maybe one of the most iconic in the history of the UFC and was from the immediate moment it landed. You know, It really was one of these kind of lightning in a bottle moments. But doing that over the five rounds and being more consistent in his approach has actually impressed me even more. So I do think this is his best all-round performance. A couple of... Uh, Little niggles here and there, but you know, I can't love Bernard Hopkins then not love a little bit of uh, roughhousing from Leon. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm all down for that, but I can't say that uh, I can't acknowledge him, and we will do as we go on with the analysis of this fight. First things first, not going to entertain the robbery talk. Thought this is a really close and competitive fight with a couple of swing rounds. Um, in terms of the overall outlook of the fight, fought Leon Edwards won, um, and I think you know talking about that cheating he lost a point for it should he have lost more than one point that's maybe something we've got to talk about um but you know generally scoring was fine in this fight some other fights it was all over the shop and uh we'll get to that in a minute but i think the bulk of this episode is definitely going to be focused on this edwards usman rubber match and going to talk a lot about leon and then talk a bit about uh, kamara usman and, and his legacy because i think we probably have seen the last of him as a top-level operator. There have been warning signs, I think, anyway, in previous fights. And there was certainly little to be worried about in the second fight they had. But I did wonder whether, you know, 
he's had long-standing problems with his knees and that, that knockout is enough to take the wind out of anyone's sails at any age, let alone when you're already in your mid-30s and have already had a full career. But you're going to talk about Kamaru Usman, his legacy, not him as an operator going forward because I think he looked decent in this fight. I think most of the things that were stopping him from being his usual self are things that Leon was doing. But I do think that he looked just a tad slower, just a tad off his normal reaction times. And we'll talk about his legacy. Could it have been actually that he was flattered by some of the guys he was fighting as well? Maybe this is just who he is. But long-standing knee issues and, and the fact that he's had a series of hard fights now, a couple in a row, pretty sure Usman's done. So let's talk about Leon Edwards, who is clearly not done. Might well be hitting his absolute peak. But before that, let me just explain to you guys now, I did not watch the fight live. I know you're going to think it's fucking crazy. The fight was on in my country. I paid for the pay-per-view, but I uh, zoned out and checked out just before uh, Gunnar Nelson and Brian Barbarina. And, you know, I'm old, I'm fat, I get tired easy, I woke up early, and, uh, yeah, quite frankly, I just didn't have it in me. And I thought, do you know what? I'll have a nice sleep. I'll get up and watch it with fresh eyes in the morning. I want to enjoy this fight. So... I did indeed watch it this morning. I watched all the prelims and, let's say, some of the what, the first you know, five or so of the main card at my girlfriend's house, and uh, she has no clue at MMA. She was sat there playing a Nintendo Switch and would peer up every so often and say things like, they're just hugging each other now, aren't they? And uh, why don't you just punch him more? Um, which I would have got more annoyed with, but quite frankly, there are dedicated MMA fans on Twitter that pump out equally bad takes all the time. So just sort of let her get on with it and uh, explain to her as best as I could. But she didn't really seem interested. She's... Bless her. She allowed me to uh, watch much of the card on a day where we're supposed to be doing stuff. So, uh, yeah, I can't really criticise her too much. But, uh, yeah, so that was my experience for much of the day. Maybe that's why I was even more tired by the time the main event uh, came round. Going to talk about... Um, sorry, the main card came round. Was going to talk about some of the fights on that main card. But if you want to catch up with some of my thoughts on the prelims and the early prelims, uh, head on over to my Twitter, at CombatCR, and scan through the timeline because... Offered some flippant remarks here and there. We're not going to go through the card. On a fight-by-fight -fight basis, it's not really worth um, my time or your time to do that. But, yeah, without further ado, is the main event, which is going to be worth any combat sports fan's time whatsoever because it was an absolute banger. I loved it. Let's talk Leon Edwards then. Uh, I'm not going to do a bis spin and just completely dismiss Kamara Usman's work, but it's worth looking at what Leon did to improve on his last performance. And... Sorry if I go over anything I've already mentioned, but let's just you know start again. I think one of my main issues when I did my prediction on the midweek podcast last week, episode 43, um, I thought that, well, you know, as long as Usman doesn't get clipped, he'll be able to do what he did in that second fight. And, you know, obviously for long stretches of the second fight and for the majority of their first fight, he'll have the grappling advantage and, you know, he won't get taken out. And we know what Leon's issues are. The head kick from how they ended it, End of the second fight was an outlier, really. Leon's not really that uh, deadly on the regular. We've seen him pull some fucking lovely kicks out in his time, but he's not really one for sparking people like that. So I just thought, you know, with Leon's tendency to backpedal, to concede ground, to not work too hard, to take rounds off, to be overly passive, I thought, well, Usman should be able to just not get knocked out and should win a competitive fight. But I was wrong because what I didn't take into account was that A, the altitude in the first fight affecting Leon, making him easier to wrestle. Because we know that he's a really good counter wrestler usually and always well suited to handling himself in the clinch. But also the extra confidence from being at home, being the champion... And being on the right side of one of the most iconic knockouts of all time. And I really do think that Leon Edwards appeared to be more confident. And his output really did show that. I think that basically a little bit of a mix of A, Leon being comfortable dealing with pressure. More so in this. And also Usman's pressure being somewhat unrefined. Certainly didn't flatter Leon. He had to work really hard. But allowed the fight to be more of a showcase for his skill set than the second fight did, and certainly than the first fight did. Um, I think in terms of the defensive grappling, Usman didn't get many opportunities to 
get Leon against the cage, even though Leon does love to back up in straight lines. I think if Usman had pressured him a bit smarter, there's a lot of talk in the commentary about how great he was at cutting off the cage. I don't think he really was that, to be honest with you. He's sort of following Leon in straight lines, pumping out one-twos, and quite frankly, was relatively easy to read in that regard. So think of it this way. Usman limits the amount of potential to get Leon against the cage, which means Leon doesn't have to be perfect as many times as he would otherwise. And he wasn't always perfect, but really his takedown offence was generally on point. Obviously, we know how great he is at getting back to his feet, but either getting the overhook or working his way to a two-on-one, these were things that allowed Leon to survive pretty handily, essentially. Uh, when Usman did get him into the cage, we know that Usman is great at... Uh, at cage wrestling, but generally pretty impotent in this fight. So what did he have for Leon? He had his usual sort of attempts at overhand uh, punching. He's not really all that efficient of a kicker. Um, not all that much of a clinch striker, really, unless he's got you turtling. And that was probably his most uh, sort of his most successful moment was in that second round where he landed. A really nice and tight straight right on Leon. And then later, but uh, just shortly after actually, had him sort of, sort of semi on his back, riding him and just pounding away underneath Leon's arm. So really nice sequence there. I think that's what made that second round so close. But generally, Leon punching into clinch, um, sort of what he does so well, punching into a clinch, into a knee, and then pushing Usmanov to create space and resetting. That, that sort of, in that range, Leon was very much the better fighter. At range, Leon was generally the better fighter. Usman did land some good shots, but Leon a bit more active with a jab. He sort of demonstrated a check hook at times in this fight, just to give him a chance to pivot out, reset, and create a bit of distance. But mainly it was those kicks. Whether it's some orthodox with the oblique, or in his natural southpaw, punting Usman in the body regularly, um round kicks and the odd snap kick. But, you know, whereas those kicks are a means to end to set up the high kick in the second match, I really do think that the fear of the high kick allowed Leon to basically just punt Usman in the body regularly and, and to the legs as well. So really nice work. Um, we'll talk about Marvin Vittori later. He could uh, learn how to utilise a southpaw body kick himself. But Leon Edwards, absolutely brilliant. At it. Really loud resounding kicks that not only sort of slowed Usman down and stopped him closing the gap, again, anti-pressure, but also sounded good, looked good, and the kind of body kicks that win rounds. We'll talk more about that later as well when we get to Gaethje and Fazeev. So that's what Leon does well. Obviously, I've touched what I didn't think Usman done brilliantly. I think I spoke about Usman before. I thought that the last Leon fight, final enough, was where he really did blend his two styles really really well you know on the run up to the title very much a grappler um, in the main against Woodley we saw that kind of sloppy obviously it's, it's clinch grappling and, and, and it's clinch wrestling against the cage sorry are not sloppy but he was sort of wing he sort of creates space and wing away with these crazy big shots and as he won the title somewhat stiff yes absolutely even being a bit of a work in progress as a champion in my opinion on the striking front but did start to find himself, found that power, found his timing, and become a bit of a sloppy kickboxer, actually. Um, even though he was more refined, as I say, than I ever thought he was going to be, sort of seemed to be finding his feet on the fly in title fights, or certainly in camp leading up those title fights. And because of that, because he clearly enjoyed knocking people out, wasn't really uh, using his wrestling. And obviously, as we as well documented, he's got a problem with his knees, Maybe can't wrestle as much. But also, it's not just not being able to wrestle. I think by becoming somewhat predictable when the striking takes away the edge with the wrestling. I think, you know, when Leon can tell what Usman's going to do, as I say, he's usually sort of... And we'll talk about Marvin Vittori and, and, and Roman Dolidze uh, later as well. You know, when you know what someone's going to do, you can better prepare for it. And there was only a couple of occasions in this where Leon wasn't ready to either uh, fight grips or slap an overhook on, grab a wizard or whatever. There's only a couple of occasions where Usman properly masked his intentions or was quick enough on his entry, on his shot, 
that Leon was not able to fight back. And essentially, Leon was well prepared, well drilled. And as I say, limited the amount of opportunities Usman had to do what he does well. Because on the striking front in this fight, Usman had some moments. But Leon disappeared to have really exude confidence. There was a time, I think maybe in the fourth round. Maybe in the, no, I think it was the fifth round. Where Leon basically just stood like in the pocket, fucking static like a statue. Like, come on, let's do this. You go first. I'm going to slip. I'm going to count you back. And Usman did not want to go first. Leon just really did seem to come into his own in this fight. I think we look at the three fights as a whole. It's not that kind of ebb and flow that the Volkanovski-Holloway fights had. Nowhere near. We really do see both guys quite green in the first fight. In the second one, whether it's altitude or not, we see basically Leon bookending the fight. Good first round, amazing last round. But generally, the rounds in between, I think we kind of, at least certainly I thought, we'd seen what the real dynamic was between the fighters. This third one's kind of thrown on his head. I kind of feel like now, like, okay, if Leon was always sort of physically at his peak, I think he would have dealt with Kamara Usman pretty well. So, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Usman's just even more depleted. Certainly didn't appear, apart from, I want to say it was the first round, where Leon hit him with a particularly strong shot and his knees sort of seemed to buckle a little bit. Uh, you know, I think Burns you know, rocked Usman as well. So I don't think, his chin's not terrible by any means, but I don't think that him getting rocked by Leon in this fight is an indicator that the high kick has robbed him of his durability. Usman seemed pretty much fine in that regard. All of his physical problems would stem from sort of long-standing injuries, in my opinion. So this is definitely a really solid win for Leon. This is not a, a Usman's now shot and that's why Leon's now beating him. No, both guys appear to be really good, really good form. Leon just had more tools in the toolbox. And Usman, at this stage doesn't appear uh, capable of really deploying the tools that he has in a way that's conducive to beating Leon Edwards consistently. Saying that, the fight's really close, and I said I'd get to it, but uh, Leon definitely some dirty tactics in this uh, with grabbing the glove, grabbing the grabbing the cage. Should he have lost two points? Could it have been a draw? Maybe. But when you're getting point deductions, making the fight even closer, that doesn't really pertain to the ebb and flow being all that competitive. I think the fight was competitive, but in terms of round scoring, you'd be struggling to give Usman two rounds definitively, in my opinion. And not that close rounds aren't important. Uh, and I do think there were definitely close rounds in this one. The second one, most importantly. But I think if you're trying to give him two rounds and then the point deduction making it a draw, I think overall you'd still look at the fight and say, well... Leon Edwards, he would have retained in that regard, but also you can look at it and go, well, Leon Edwards was the better man. Uh, but yeah, certainly people have varying levels of tolerance for dirty tactics. But as I say, I've always been a fan of somewhat dirty fighters. I prefer the term crafty. And it's not biased because, as you guys know, I've been struggling with my Leon Edwards appreciation for years. And I like Kamara Usman. Don't care about what he does in terms of his managerism, where he may or may not have been. I'm talking about the fighter, how he talks about other fighters, how he uh, approaches cage fighting. Seems a good dude. Again, other people's tolerances will vary. Speaking of varying tolerance, I'd love for you guys to hit me up at CombatCR on Twitter. Talk to me, what do you think about Usman's legacy? I think it's interesting. I certainly think as a fighter, take the... Mythical all-time great stuff out of the equation. It's kind of like he could have been better. I know he started MMA uh, relatively late. His credentials for cage fighting were absolutely spot on. And I think, essentially, the major knock on him is a bit of a decision merchant early. As I said earlier, some cracking performances as champion, but definitely was still raw. I think that's fair to say. Found out what worked for him, but I definitely think still raw. But for me, the major issue is... Never really developing a submission game at all. This is a guy who was riding opponents for a lot of time in his fights and you know never really developed much of a sub threat and just doesn't really make any sense at all. Uh, he was decent ground and pound. Ground and pound really, but sort of, you know, slam you up against the cage and punch your face in. But, you know, really in terms of sub game, there's, there's nothing. And... 
doesn't really make sense to me. You think that he'd be perfectly primed. And also, it's just good to have that in your bag. You think for a guy who's as good as MMA as he was, he was once ranked pound for pound number one. I never agreed with it. Always would have Volkanovski. But uh, when you know, when they're both sort of in the top top three. But this is a guy who, if we're comparing to G- Jules St-Pierre, who's the other guy, GSP, who's the sort of lock for greatest weight weight of all time. There's a guy who at least tried to submit people, even when he was unsuccessful. And don't get me wrong, plenty of tepid decisions in that in that career. But you know, there's a guy who at least tried to do it. And Usman, I think it's not just a case of let me see more effort. It's a case of mate, you could have made fights a bit easier for yourself if you just developed that. Uh, it just doesn't really seem. It just seems weird. It just seems odd that a guy who's that good at fighting didn't really pick that up. But maybe I could speak to one of my good mates. Who are who are genuine fucking grapplers and, and black belts and whatnot, and ask them what they think, and maybe we'll do a Kamara Usman retrospective when all is said and done. But in terms of his resume, I think the goat talk was always premature. I think that if you look at the guys he beat, there's certainly not any uh, sort of new blood thing going on. There's certainly not any oh these are guys that. George St. Pierre never would have beaten his prime. There's none. He hasn't got that going for him in the way other champions from other divisions may have. I.e., when you compare, let me just pick one out of nowhere. If you pick, if you compare Robert Whitaker to Anderson Silva or something like that, you might say, well, you know, Anderson Silva might have struggled with someone like Vittori. I don't think he would have done, but you might, you might think that. You might say, oh, I'm not sure if Prime Anderson would have done as well with. Adesanya, as uh, Whitaker did in their rematch, I don't think that Anderson Silva would have been able to deal with Yoel Romero any better than Robert Whitaker did. And you start to think, okay, so defending a title ten times or whatever against fighters that aren't as good, maybe that's not as impressive as someone who made what no successful defenses in Robert Whitaker's case. Not in terms of the weight. Uh, I think the Yoel Romero rematch should have been, but doesn't count as a title defence, but you know what I mean. I just picked a a comparison out of nowhere. A a better one would be comparing, say, Al Jermaine Sterling to Dominic Cruz, who essentially, for much of his title defences, fought guys that maybe could have... not. That's just not fair, not much of his title defences, but uh, for some of the more notable ones, fought guys that either wouldn't necessarily be top five bantamweights today or were flyweights waiting for their division to open up. So maybe something similar to that would be a better comparison. But needless to say, waffling aside, Kamaru Usman doesn't have that going for his legacy. The first Jorge Mazdal fight was a late notice. Second was really impressive. Burns, really good win in my opinion. Uh, Even though Burns might be on the smaller side for a 170-pounder. Proved his worth in plenty of fights at the way, in the Usman fight, subsequent to the Usman fight, prior to the Usman fight, that's a really good win. Woodley, I think, given the form afterwards, and what we know about him as a fighter and how limited he was, I don't really, never really rated him as champion. Dangerous, absolutely. Athletic freak, absolutely. The credentials, absolutely, but never really, it's crazy, he did, he did put it together a couple of times, I think I've had the Woodley conversation before, but never really impressed me as a champion, and that kind of, Post Hendricks Lawler up to the Usman reign, pretty poor run for Wout Weight, and I think for much of Usman's reign, I don't think it's really been popping with the. I've said this multiple times on this podcast, it's only now we're getting good quality 170 uh, pound prospects coming through that I can really get behind in terms of saying, yes, this division is popping, we're back. Um, Certainly, uh, Usman beat RDA well. Damian Meyer already passed his best. Pre-middleweight Strickland. I'm loving that. Uh, Obviously, he's got the first win over Edwards as well. So, good, top quality, top probably top five all-time, £170. People will look at someone like Matt Hughes in a vastly different way to how the next person perceives him. I'm pretty sure the majority of people have got GSP as number one all-time at 170. For me, you know, comparing Usman to Robbie Lord is a tight, a tight one. I really do think that. Obviously, Usman's got a more dominant run. But Robbie Lord really did beat 
a couple of fucking excellent fighters. And, you know, all round, it's got a pretty darn lovely run at 170. And it's tough to uh, make that distinction for me. I'm sure people will go, what the fuck? You haven't got Usman above Lawler? No, I'll have the discussion. I clearly would. Uh, now it's a case of, is Leon putting together a resume that pushes him further up? He's going to have a chance to because there's some hungry fighters coming through, some really quality stylists coming through, some interesting stylists coming through, that if you were to beat them, I mean, you you beat Shavkat Rachmanov. Let's say Shavkat beats one more sort of top five guy. See, he beats Bilal Muhammad. Not that quality of fighter, but, you know, let's see, say he beats Bilal Muhammad and then he fights... Leon for the title and have a really competitive fight, but Leon wins it. Leon demonstrates how good he is and he wins the fight. That's a win which you would compare to any of GSP's wins, right? With the crest of hype, the the, the wave that Shavkat's running, uh, sort of riding right now. If comes up, Chimaev could make 170 again. Actually, if it comes up, it's a pretty bad matchup for Leon, but maybe people will disagree. That's fine as well. I think Kamzat's going to make 170 again anyway. But yeah, you know, Leon can definitely add to his ledger. He's got two wins against Kamara Usman for starters. Really impressive. So will Leon be a long-running champion or is this going to be a short-running thing? Is Usman actually just a good stylistic matchup for him at this point? Well, they're talking about Colby Covington next. I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'll come back around to this. They're talking about Colby Covington next. Seems like that's a lock. I'm not interested, guys. Really not interested. But at this point, I think with the skill set Leon has, don't think Colby's going to have to really have too much for him. We know what Colby likes to do. Sloppily strike. Lots of volume. Hold you up against the cage. Talk about a guy with no sub threat. There's a guy who tries, but doesn't got a fucking clue what he's doing by the looks of it. Um, so, yeah, I really don't think that Colby's going to have much for Leon on the form I just saw, uh, saw him in last night, you know. You never know with Leon. Maybe he just reverts back to bed shitter. I really don't know, but hopefully not. I think a, a world where Colby Covington wins the UFC Weight Champion is just it's just painful for us combat sports fans on Twitter. They're just an annoying bunch. Do you know what I mean? It'd be even worse than if Magomed Ankalaev had won the uh, lightweight title outright. And guys, trust me, never criticise a fighter from Dagestan, Chechnya, Russia, or anything online. You will find the most disgusting bunch in your mentions but it's all it's all fun i did it on purpose so isn't it great when a fight like this happens you've got plenty to talk about in terms of the fight the fighters what it means going forward what it means in terms of what we'd seen before basically uh leon edwards and kamara usman in this third fight have answered every question we needed answered and now we've only got questions going forward and that's good it gives us stuff to talk about Going to keep us occupied until Leon's next fight. Gets signed. Appears to be Colby Covington. I just hope they don't do it in some fucking red state where they rob Leon. It would just be really fucking annoying for the division to get them mired in rematches and all that sort of crap. Let's have Leon fight Colby in somewhere decent. No altitude and all that shit. Get rid of him once and for all because he's not a very interesting fighter, Colby Covington. I said earlier about how I don't care what Usman really does. I'm not bothered about Colby Covington's politics. It's one of the things that bothers me least. Um, despite me being on the complete opposite of the political spectrum to him, uh, although it may be an act, but you know, just definitely in terms of what he portrays, I'm not interested though. It doesn't bother me. Not one of these people who's like, get him out of my face. He's right wing. Uh, everyone's different. Whatever. I couldn't really give a fuck. I just don't pay don't don't pay him any attention. Don't give him the power. But in terms of a fire, what this podcast is about, he's just not very interesting. And how people think he does, he's a deserving contender. I really don't know. So, one thing I do know is Leon Edwards is absolutely a deserving champion. He's a real champion. It was not a one-off. He has put it all together in ways that I've been asking for for a very long time. Will he do it every time? I don't know. But for now, at least, let's just relish in the fact that Leon Edwards put forth a fantastic performance against a fantastic fighter in Kamara Usman. And Leon Edwards is the man. Let's have a little break before we talk about a couple more fights on the card. And I'll be back right after this. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, before we talk about the actual fight, uh, Gaethje and Fazeev, just... Straight away, the decision was bad, not in terms of who won, but how the decision was rendered. And that's as dodgy as just the overall winner. I'm not actually that bothered about the overall winner. I can kind of see a world where Justin Gaethje might have won this fight. It's close and competitive throughout. Also as well, I have to make the distinction that competitive doesn't always mean close, but certainly two of these rounds were really close and competitive. Uh, Matter of fact, they all were really competitive rounds and... You know, when you sat certain part of the cage, big heavy blows are going in. You can't quite see if they've landed. Uh, both guys are having their moments. I can I can see it. What I don't see is Gaethje winning the first round. I don't see Gaethje with a 10-8 in the third round. That's what I don't see. That's what's odd. Don't see a 10-8 in the third round. I mean, let's start at the beginning of the fight. Um, Both guys, obviously, you know, having their moments... Lots of heavy shots going in. Fiziev, by the way, I just want to talk about him generally as a fighter. Every punch, every kick in the book. What he does, he doesn't waste. He's not wasteful. He's efficient. He is, he's got a lot of output, but he always seems to hit them up. Really accurate, really fast. Just a really beautiful fighter to watch aesthetically. Obviously, I've spoken about him on the podcast before, but I really like what he does. Love his setups. Noting that Gaethje's coming under the right hand and constantly using that right hand to bring his head down and throw the knee. So overhand right into the into the flying knee. Really, really nice stuff. Just little things like that. I think he did a similar thing as RDA to get rid of him in their fifth round. Uh, you know, just he's constantly thinking for Zeke, constantly assessing the situation, realising that Gaethje's open to the to the midsection. It's body shots, it's round kicks, it's switch kicks, it's it's teeps, it's snap kicks. It's everything you can think of is hitting Gaethje's body with maximum force. I do think there's a couple of times that Gaethje just got out at the end as Fizzy become a little bit overzealous with a combo. What would have been a beautiful four or five strike combo becomes a, a three or a four and just getting him to overextend because he throws with full commitment every time might have just taken a bit of gas out of him. But there's giving Gaethje too much credit. You know, he, he takes a lot of shots. I've always said he's underrated defensively. This fight was not really one of those fights. He was getting twatted for much of the fight. But he will grab a single collar tie and start twatting you with fucking uppercuts. And when you're in that wheelhouse with Gaethje, and there was a point where Fiziev earlier on is popping off and then uh, getting out of the pocket... There was a time where these guys were just basically throwing down in the pocket, and that's where Gaethje comes into his own. Uh, so, from a technical standpoint, Fazeev just fantastic to watch. Love 
how he was sort of herding Gaethje around in the shots. I thought he landed more quality blows. But obviously, as the bell went on, Gaethje did land some really heavy blows, marked him up really badly. Before I watched the fight, because as I said, this is one of the ones I caught up on this morning, I did see one of the few things I saw before I watched this. I didn't actually see a result, but I kind of put it together because I saw someone say that it was alarming how Fiziev had faded in the third round. They faded, certainly, but, you know, we've seen Gaethje fade, you know, after that against Poré and, and, and Alvarez or, or, you know, after a fight of that sort of pace. I don't necessarily think, even with the damage, that Fiziev would have just capitulated in the fourth round. I think, you know, he was still throwing down at, in that third round and he just wasn't as good at getting out of range as he was in the earlier rounds where he was really spry and on point. So, yeah, in terms of the actual technical stuff, Gaethje does what he does. I think that Fiziev seems to be a really good, and there wasn't many opportunities for it, but I think Gaethje probably shot for three takedowns in the fight and only landed one right at the death when they were uh, slipping around. But, you know, Fiziev seems to be... He's very good at getting uh, in good position to defend takedowns anyway. In terms of his striking, he's got absolutely every strike in the book. He throws with seemingly full power every single time and seems to land with full power nearly every single time. So fair play to him. Love the fight. Gaethje showing what Gaethje uh, has shown us many times before. Stays in there, makes it competitive, lands big shots. There was a bit of a weird sequence, actually, where sort of... I think Gaethje sort of got into a double colour tide and kind of tried to do a flying knee and it just looked really stupid. It was a bit messy. But we love him for it, do you know what I mean? Uh, you know, Gaethje still just absolutely blitzing him with with kicks, whether he masks him with punches or not. He will fucking hit you with low kicks and hit you with them. With, it's just kind of those brutal fucking leg kick uh, power that I've seen in MMA. I think still think he's just a incredible kicker. It's a weird thing where I think did, was it DC that said, "Oh, Gaethje used to use his kicks a lot more, but now he's known for his hands." I have no idea what he's fucking talking about. He's been the same fighter essentially in the sense of his output since World Series of Fighting up to the UFC, apart from that time where he decided to become a strategic sort of well not actually it wasn't strategic it's more more tactically in terms of how he'd get to his end game of punching your face and was just a bit more conservative out fighting rather than just wading into the pocket still always been using his kicks always been using his hands i didn't really know what that comment was about if it wasn't dc I apologise, it might have been Bisping, but I'm pretty sure it was DC. It just seemed a weird comment to me. He's fucking been throwing brutal leg kicks in every fight for years. I don't know what that comment was about. It was almost like he was trying to sound smarter than he is. I didn't really get that, but hey, he understands fighting more than I do, but I just thought it was an odd comment. But I suppose when you're paid to talk all night and you've uh, run out of podcasting topics and you have to talk about the fights and, and the styles, you, you might uh, get a little bit lost, but... Again, there's not really too much to say about this fight. It was an amazing fight. I hope they do it again over five. I think it might get a more conclusive result. And I just absolutely loved it from start to finish. I thought that Rafael Fiziev won the fight on the scorecards. I gave him rounds one and two. But every single round was so competitive and fast-paced. I can actually see why Gaethje might have got the final decision. I just don't agree with how they came to that decision. That's all I'm saying. In short, I don't think the final result was a robbery, but I think the way it was rendered. But certainly as well, Fiziev, the body shots, man. Are they counting them as much as the, the blows to the head? Because there's no doubt that you could see the effect they had on Gaethje. He clearly did not like him. But then you get clobbered with an uppercut that bounces sweat and snot off your head and blood everywhere. And in terms of the actual scoring criteria, the impact, it just appears to be you know, more conducive to... Winning the fight and winning the round, it's tough. It really is tough. But in the day, Fazeev got himself in that situation by not being able to maintain his ability to get in and out of the pocket. And unfortunately, it's the way it goes. I hope they do it over five. I'd love to see it. I imagine they put Gaethje in position to challenge for the title. But whatever, I think Fazeev can come again. There's so many interesting matchups. 
one of the long-running narratives about this division, the £155 division, especially in the UFC, on this podcast has been we don't see the... I think the example I used before was the New Blood versus the Millionaires Club, which is WCW angle where you had the likes of Holt Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, the ex-NWO guys, but Ric Flair and all these guys who wouldn't fight the likes of, I think it's Buff Bagwell, but Jericho, Benoit, etc., uh, Lance Storm, I think, was in there as well. And, you know, we got this angle where, you know, the, the new blood wanted their chance, but all the old guys were just fighting each other or wouldn't give them the opportunity to shine. And we've had that in lightweight. We've had this kind of bracket of already established, mainly American action fighters and not quite established guys that can't really get into the rankings because no one will fight them from all around the world. And we finally got one of them fights. Fortunately, it was the uh, more well-established guy that we've already seen in title fights win and progress. But we got one, and it was fantastic. So hopefully we get more. Hopefully this convinces the UFC to put on more of these belts. And uh, yeah, for Fazeev, I mean, fucking hell. Who would like to see him fight? Basically anyone. Not much to say about Brian Barberena versus Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson has this fucking humongous following in the UK. So well on. I think it's because as... UFC really got big. He was a really highly touted prospect and he knew Conor McGregor. And I guess Iceland isn't that far away in terms of a flight to the UK. So, yeah, he's always been pretty well liked here. And, uh, yeah, you know, we all know Gunnar Nelson. Is, he's kind of weird and cry-ish on the feet. Not all that potent. Uh, but does some weird and wonderful things and on the ground he's a beast and Brian Barbarina was not able to take his head off before he got taken down he got tapped out so whatever I mean we know Brian Barbarina is he's a dangerous gatekeeper and Gunnar Nelson assumingly will fight someone else at well wait and either win or won't and you know I'm not really sold on him going forward as a contender but you never know he started so young he's still not that old but yeah, weird fighter, somewhat erratic, but oh well. I enjoyed watching the fight. I like both guys to some extent. Uh, and yeah, whatever. The last fight I'm going to talk about today, Marvin Vittori defeating Roman Dolize by decision. Started off really well for Dolize. He just, he's got this kind of raw power and athleticism, but wasn't really able to implement his grappling in this fight, which would have been the X factor, I imagine. Vittori just... It's, it's weird for Tori. He's kind of got by on this durability for a while, but really sort of meat and potatoes as a fighter. Just kind of walks around, popping out the jab. Doesn't hit that hard. In the open stance matchup, really does fear the uh, uh, front leg kick, you know, low kick. There's nothing coming from the open side whatsoever. Doesn't really have that fast hands. Doesn't, as I say, doesn't hit that hard. And now in this first round and in the previous fight of Whitaker, we started to see his chin deteriorate a little bit, in my opinion. Still tough as fuck, but seen him rocked a couple of times now. Starting to think, if that starts to fail, he's basically a non-entity as a fighter, even the division is top-heavy as 185. But I wanted Roman to say the wings. I wanted to think that we had some sort of interest in new uh, prospect, prospect, contender in the division. Uh, and in the first round, sort of just getting in, winging the overhand right, moving Vittori over just banging him with the right hand, and that's basically all we had. So whenever he dropped that front shoulder, Vittori knew what was happening, and there was no variety whatsoever. And Delize seems to have, as I say, he seems to be really raw in terms of his output, but he's really clearly very gifted and like strong guy. And I've seen him before like as a finisher, put more together than just throwing a right hand, but I just feel like he just doesn't really have the craft to... Uh, put his, uh, his shots together well yet yeah, and wasn't able to get in very deep at all on Vittori's hips, wasn't able to drag him down the mat at all. So the only other way he could have won the fight, he couldn't implement in the slightest. I feel like Dalidze is one of these guys who could just fucking destroy anyone if he knew how to. Uh, but yeah, I thought earlier on, oh, it's going to be good this. And he just couldn't really win a share of either two, two rounds. So he won the first round in my opinion. Didn't really see the 30-27 at all. But he just he clearly landed a more impactful blows than that one. I guess it, it looked like he was going to have an argument for the third. And he just kind of wound down. He just didn't seem to have the tank. Run out of ideas. He had one idea, essentially, in this fight. And Marvin Vittori somehow uh, manages to sort of fiddle his way through 
uh, and win a fight that he probably shouldn't have done. But it's Delizze's fault. He just doesn't have the chops at this stage to be taking on someone like Vittori, which is a shame because that kind of shows how far back he is. Because, as I say, Vittori is so basic, uh, puts it all together with his durability. There's nothing really about him. It's all that dynamic. And as a personality, he's quite frankly annoying I uh, just do with him not being one of if, if 185 is top heavy could, we, could one of them not be Marvin Vittori maybe that's unfair but you know I just want good uh, competitive fights for the couple of people up there that are still interesting and uh, Vittori and I'm sure people will say like you know stylistically Vittori could just take Pereira down yeah he could but he could get his head taken off very fucking quickly so to assume that Vittori would put things together and actually fight in a way that is conducive to being successful assumes that he's not himself. He doesn't really do that. As I say, like, just constantly, 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 constantly kicking Delize in the open stance, kicking him in the leg and moving him over, moving him over. When did he fucking throw from the rear side? He didn't. Just... He's not able to sort of think in the moment and go, oh, this guy's constantly moving over because I'm having so much success with this, which I barely even need to set up even as running into range, cracking him and getting back out again. But Vittori just kind of does the basics. Doesn't particularly do them that well. It's completely bound together by this confidence, which I really respect, and the fact he can fucking take a sledgehammer to the head. But I do think that's running out. I do think that's running out. So, yeah, a mixed bag and always a card. I've spoken about other fights on Twitter, as I say. Hit me up at Combat CR. Have a look through my timeline. Ask me questions if you want. If you want to get more exclusive content, head on over to Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. Definitely some interest in this card. They do uh, sort of top load these British cards. I guess the only other thing I could talk about would be Muhammad Makayev might well have ruined his career by not tapping out to a knee bar. Uh, not a big fan of his at all as a person. He's a really annoying online presence. but uh, And as a fighter, I've mentioned many times, there's so many holes in this game, concedes ground so easily, doesn't uh, proactively strike in order to set up his shots. There's two fights on the bounce now. He's got himself in the bad uh, situations in terms of submissions, which makes me think that defensively as a grappler, he's not all that responsible. And, you know, when that is the case, you can't assume that he's going to be this complete... Uh, monster, like someone like Habib would never have got in those situations. I know it's an obvious example, but that's who they're comparing him to. So, you know, I think like there's clear holes in his game. And yes, he's still young, but now he's going to have to do that probably on a year rehab. Apparently he had a, a shoulder injury going into it and just fucking had his knee ripped out. It was horrific. That's really bad shit. And from people online I know that have been through it, they say you never really get that back. So, I'm sure he's way too fucking proud to tap out to a unranked uh, guy that he's taken just basically to get on the UK card. But he shouldn't have got himself in that situation. And at that point, you've got to say, you got me, tap out, live to fight another day. I mean, if he taps out, he could have fought him in six weeks' time and smashed him up. That's not going to be the case now. So I do hope he comes back, regardless of uh, you know some of the shit he says online. An interesting prospect who fights regularly, Got to commend that and don't like to see someone get seriously injured unless they've done something egregious. He's not a fucking wife beater, from what I can see. He's not a pedo, so I don't want the guy to get fucking permanently injured, do I? But the fact of the matter is, he might well have been. So, interested to see what's going on with that. The mad thing is, as well, like, right at the beginning of that first round, I thought, oh, he's actually going to, you know, incorporate strikes into his grappling? No, barely threw anything over the three rounds. But seriously, showed fucking grit to get the finish after having his knee ripped off. Especially considering Jake Hadley, who is really fucking annoying, won so impressively on the undercard against Malcolm X, uh, setting up that uh, southpaw jab, uppercut to the body, really nice stuff. A couple of times he pulled it off, just way too fast, way too accurate, way too sharp, way too aggressive, smashing the bits really, really quickly. Can't help but be impressed but my God, if he isn't fucking annoying, I'd be really interested to hear the opinions of American listeners or basically non-British listeners. Because I think like as a as a Brit, as an Englishman, you watch him and you go, oh God, this guy's a fucking, to- absolute fucking tosser. Um, 
you know people like him, you know what I mean? Thinks he's a fucking beanies. And the thing is as well, with McGregor, obviously really distasteful guy outside the cage, but he did, he had so much, he was so quick with his patter on that, and so charismatic, that he kind of got swept up in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you'd seen twats like that before, but fucking fair play. He's banging people out. He looks fucking great. Hadley, like, I think he thinks he's McGregor. He's got this really fucking horrible, droney mid, mids accent, and he just sort of walks around the ring, posturing with his fucking chin out. You think, you're a knob, mate. I can't stand you. You're an absolute fucking knob. I don't want to go on a guru-esque rant. I can assure you, I had a shower this morning. I'm not wearing the same beanie. Uh, but, you know, Hadley, he's just really, really, really annoying. And uh, one of the more annoying things is that he appears to be quite good at fighting. I thought it was going to be away for this card, but I got my dates mixed up. I'm actually away for next week's card. But I might try and sneak in just Cheeto versus Corey over on the Patreon uh, next Sunday. I'm actually going to see Tarantino next week up in London. Uh, not as mates, you know, he's doing like a live show where he talks about uh, film, as you guys may know. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm really into my films. Big Tarantino fan, so that should be fun. Uh, but, you know, I've got a very small window between the fight happening and me setting off. Uh, you might think, well, just do it when you get home. I can't afraid because I'm on holiday as of the day after. So I'm uh, going to try and get some stuff done for the Patreon this week. going to drop a Closet Classics this week. Already know the fight, already started the research. And then hopefully, yeah, at least get uh, Cheeto Vera versus Corey Sanhagen done for the Patreon on Sunday morning. So head on over there, www.patreon.com slash combatchronicles. Hope you enjoyed this episode. What a great to see Leon Edwards defend his title. Leon Edwards, welterweight champion, really does have a ring to it now. Pretty fun card all in all. There was some dross on the uh, prelims, no doubt about it. But, you know, overall, I was pretty happy with the card. Yes, I haven't spoken about any of the women's fights, just I wasn't interested. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, but it was all right. Some of it was uh, better than others, but certainly the the top two fights on the card completely delivered. And we learned some more about some other fighters too, which is always good. It's not just about I was entertained or something happened that was really meaningful. Sometimes it's just, well, I know a little bit more about that guy. And that's useful too. So until the next episode, hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your support. And if you do want to support the podcast outside of the Patreon, because I know times are tough for everyone right now, five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform doesn't cost anything, makes it more visible to others. Let's get some more combat chroniclers joining the fray, more people to talk to, more people to discuss fights with. That's what we want, right? So do that. Help me out. And maybe it will help you guys uh, find some mates as well, because God knows you fucking need them. Peace out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.